Hello there, welcome. This is a special edition of To a Certain Degree called Odd Numbers. Every other Monday, my guests and I choose a theme, we play some music, and we chat. Sometimes there are tangents. Occasionally we think of the things we wanted to say hours later, but it's always a fun talk and I think you'll like it. The topic for this episode is Drive and Determination, featuring artist and musician Skip. He came into the studio to talk a little bit about the Samplex Wall Project, as well as some of the work that he's done in the past. Enjoy. Neve on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. My name is Nick. Good morning. Is this work? Oh, yeah, it is working. Great. I'm just turning up the volume on the wrong set of headphones. That's a good idea. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to Odd Numbers on WPRK. I do this every week, and every week I'm very lucky to have a special guest. This week is no exception. Skip is here. Good morning, Skip. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm excellent. Almost awake. How about you? I'm getting there. Great. And you go by Just Skip, right? Just Skip works just fine. All right. Uh, You can follow Skip on the Instagram, on the Facebook, at C-Skip. S-E-E-S-K-I-P, like C-Skip Run. And you're on, those Those are the main two social media uh, venues in your empire, correct? Yeah, I'm trying to get better at posting at more things at, you know, at once. But uh, those are my two kind of main things that I do. I'm trying to get back into Twitter a little bit. Um, you know, there's so many different things out there. It's, it's hard to keep up with all of them because um, I'm a content creator. And so I spend half of my day like editing video or doing something to actually yeah. create the content. And then when you have to sit down and you know, take 30 minutes or an hour to post to all your different platforms and write out descriptions and hashtags and tag people and do all that kind of stuff. Like that is a, it's a lot extra, but it's, you know, it's kind of part of the job. Nowadays, you have to, you have to get the information and the content out of there. And, and uh, you know, the more content you can put out there, the more likely you're going to be able to, you know, connect with somebody, I think. So just going through, like when somebody asks you what you do, what do you say? Because you've got artist on your resume you got mm-hmm. a musician you've got as you mentioned content creator uh what do you do uh well i mean i we really present what it is that i do as is kind of like this kind of renaissance man idea um where you know it used to be really popular back in the day where you know you'd be able to accomplish multiple different things in order to be able to get a job done mm-hmm. you know to be kind of like a multi-skilled labor and uh you know because of I have a passion for picking up things and, and, and whenever I have a, a situation where I get kind of placed into a corner, um, I like to work myself out of the corner by, by learning and, uh, all of the things that I, you know, do now I'm self-employed. So, you know, whether I'm, I'm doing uh, video production or, or graphic design and branding consulting or whatever it is, is, these are all things that I didn't actually go to school for. Mm. Um, they're all things that I learned how to do because I needed them done for myself and uh, I learned them to a, a certain degree uh, that uh, you you know, people, quarter. yeah, right, that people uh, were wanting me to, wanting to hire me to, uh, to come in and do it for them, you know? So I think that segues really well into the topic for today's episode. Um, every other week we do odd numbers, and the idea here is that rather than do a full in-depth interview, um, on the guest, especially if it's somebody who's returning, this is the first time on the show and I appreciate you coming on, um, is we find a topic to talk about yeah. and yours was, you were very specific. You were like, I've got one, it's drive and determination. Well, I'd, I'd like to, you know, I like to talk about what is important to me or what I know about. Mm-hmm. 
And for me, the thing that I know most about is kind of adapting into any kind of a situation or scenario. And, uh, you know, even if you don't know what you're doing when you walk into a room of, of watching the right people and asking the right questions and, uh, and being able to, you know, kind of float yourself through a situation. Uh, I learned that very, uh, I used to do AV, uh, audio visual stuff for like hotels and convention centers and stuff. And my first day on the job, I didn't know anything yet at the same time, like even coming in as a, as a, as a greenhorn, it was still the highest paid job I had ever had up to that point. So I didn't want to screw it up. So and, you were uh, hired, uh, they just had you come in because, you know, you were My cousin had actually had, okay. you know, so had a, that's how pretty much everyone gets into the AV industry is by, you know, you know somebody and they're mm -hmm. like, hey, yeah, I'll call this guy or whatever. And then you kind of got to, you know, prove yourself. But most people that come in, they don't know anything. And so I was really able to kind of differentiate myself and to set myself apart because I didn't know anything of what it is that I was doing. But, you know, when the the manager guy was like, Hey, I need a hex five cable adapter, blah, blah, blah. And then like, look up on my phone real quick and be like, all right, what does this look like? I'd be like, I'm looking in the box. I'd be like, all right, I got it right here. There you go. And then they're like, Oh, skip that guy. Skip. He knows his stuff. You know, you know? everything. Yeah. And then you, Thanks to the power you of know, Google. You just, yeah, it's not really fake it till you make it. But I, I do think there is a level of being humble and, and, and quiet at the right times, Yeah, you know, and then knowing when to speak up. So it's setting your own expectations, really. Sure. Making sure that you're not putting yourself in a position where, yeah, it might be over your head, but you can't, you know, you can't put yourself in a position where you're also going to fail sure. without having uh, done the work. And if you can put in more hours, more energy, more enthusiasm, like I think that even if you're the guy that knows the least in the room, if you're the most enthusiastic one, that... um I just think that it, it, my experience is that it all works is, uh, itself out in the end. And, you know, life is super weird. My life is crazy, crazy weird. And, you know, I never, you know, most people know me as a visual artist, right? Mm -hmm. So I do, That's you know, we were talking painting about on the car and, on the and spray paint, but I also do carpentry. I also do photography. I also do tons of stuff. But at the same time, like there was a point uh, maybe 15 years ago where I never, ever, ever, ever would have thought that I would ever do art. I was just doing music, right? But the opportunity came up and I applied myself. I have this kind of system of being my own worst critic, right? Not in a negative way, but kind of in a, uh, uh, what was it? Zarathustra kind of talked about self-despisal, right? Nietzsche's book. And it's the idea that you are your hardest critic, but also at the same time, like you're constantly self-evaluating what your strengths and weaknesses are well, so just like you can strengthen else. yourself. Yeah, it's like constructive criticism yes, versus exactly. just this is the worst thing. I you're never going to be as good, good. good as yeah, stuff else. Like that. Yeah. And what I found is that, you know, like that's why we talked about, you know, drive and determination is that, you know, every some of the most meaningful or the most meaningful things that are in my life right now are things that I didn't expect or kind of intentionally walk into there were things that I kind of just like ended up in a situation or scenario I applied myself and what it is that I was able to do by being curious by being hardworking, and by just getting it done essentially was able to put myself in a situation in which I'm looking around and I'm like I have a video production company like All I would have never is, thought of yeah, you doing that this. you know like you know, three, four years ago, I wasn't even doing anything with film. You know, like, unfortunately, a lot of the bigger projects that people know me for, like, I don't even really have any video documentation of it. 
uh, because at that point I was just kind of shooting on my flip phone, you know. Um, so technology and things have, have really moved forward really quickly, but the accessibility to being able to get answers to questions, I think, um, and being able to have access to the programs that make it a lot easier, um, you know, whether that be Final Cut or, you know, to record audio or whatever it is, uh, editing and all that. And so, um, yeah, it makes it a lot easier. And, and it puts you in a situation in which now you're able to make money and sustain yourself um, and also you're able to kind of feed your own passions as well, too. So, like, it's a perfect hand-in-hand hand to be able to have a video production company that, you know, works like we worked with, with Maker Fair, we're working with Sam Flax Orlando, we're working with Downtown Arts District, we're working with Orlando Weekly, um, and creating this content for them, yet at the same time, I have that at my disposal for my projects and my things. So it's like having having these things that you're good at that you're able to make money at for clients but also at the same time having that there pushes you forward a lot more efficiently than mm. if it wasn't there you know because you'd be trying to find someone to fill that role um but now you can fill that role and and being able to to like yesterday i was uh shooting a promo uh for a big hush hush project that we're going to be releasing uh not releasing we're going to be announcing on february 14th for valentine's day um, so I was shooting this promo in my room, all the lights, all the camera, everything like that, um, set all that up in my, in my room and okay, then so filmed just... everything myself and then edited everything myself last night and the ability to be able to have everything at your disposal so that you can go from a concept to a finished product is, I mean, you could put a dollar, a dollar value on it, but it is, it is way more valuable than, you know, just being able to pay someone else to do it. When you say you're shooting something in your room for a, a Valentine's Day release, it does sound a little, uh, it does sound a little sultry. Oh, I just want yeah. to put that out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> the thing itself is not a Valentine's Day thing, but there's a there's a tie-in that we're, yeah. we're going to tie in uh, uh, and announce it on Valentine's Day. But you know, that would have been nice. Take the shoes off, have some sexy slippers on. A little, a little boudoir time with yeah. Skip, I think, would be appropriate for uh, for the fourteenth. <laughs> So maybe we can raffle that it's away from in the, the second the chest hour. Up, so you don't you can insert your own imagination on whether I'm oh, wearing yeah. pants or anything. You know, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing right now. I'm not sure if you're wearing pants. <laughs> that would be you're amazing. It's just like, hey, welcome to ninety one point five WM. We're not wearing pants. Let me ask you about. Okay, so you have you have this passion in your life. You have this passion project, and at first it was music, and then it became art. But you realize that you have to push it out there. You have to create these different means. You have to create your own means. You can't wait for somebody to just sure. recognize your talent or your greatness or anything else. You have to be, you know, not necessarily P.T. Barnum, the, the greatest showman or anything, yeah. but you have to be there, out there, always hustling, always talking about it, always looking for opportunities to do that. And, you know, that translated, first of all, to creating content and a, a content firm, if you will, your video production company. Um, what about that that hustle? Like when people are doing art or they're doing music, what keeps you going whereas other people would just give up? I think a lot of people they they're they have their heads in the clouds, right? And they're they're looking at some kind of a goal that they want. You know, I wanna make I wanna make five hundred thousand dollars this year. I wanna be, you know, a millionaire by the time that I'm thirty. I want to, you know, have all of these things in my career, my life accomplished. And that's that's great, but I, I feel that you have to love the process. Like you have to love like the 
being alone in your room, in your studio, painting, no one around, no one congratulating you, no one pushing you, um, like the long, long hours of, if for anyone who's ever done video production or audio editing, it's like, you know, edit, play, render, edit, play, render, edit, play, render. And you're just like, okay, you know, a little bit, a little bit shorter on this one. Okay. A little bit, you know, this should transition here and you have to be in love with the process. Excuse me. You have to be in love with the process of doing the things alone inside your room. You have to be in love with the process of going to public events and, and shaking hands with people. And, you know, I'm another one of the things that is completely different now than when I started this was when I started this 15 years ago doing music and selling CDs downtown, I was a complete introvert. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I was super shy. I didn't know how to talk to people. I didn't know how to express myself. And it was this very, very, very hard, violent process in order to be able to learn how to talk to people. You know, I mean, even on top of that, I was homeschooled growing up. So it's just I don't really have a lot of I didn't start off with a lot of social skills um, and experience with social skills. And so that was a very hard process in which, you know, I find that one of the things that I make the most money off of now is not the things that I do. It's how I do them and how I present myself. I can go. I was at Sam Flax the other day. I got two jobs off of being in line, talking to the Sam Flax employees because we're doing the Sam Flax wall project. And I also produce a show for them called On the Spot. So I'm always in there. Um, and I was talking to a couple of the, 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 the employees at the register just about like, you know, ways to be able to talk to people about mm. the events or special things going on or whatever that it's, it's natural, but it's not, you know, it's not awkward or forced or whatever. And I turned around and talked to one guy. I was just, hey, let you guys know, next week we have the Sam Flax wall project where we're going to be painting all the walls white, blah, blah, blah. And the the guy asked me a question. I mentioned something about doing video. And he was like, oh, well, I actually, you know, am a first time publishing a book. And uh, the publisher wants to do like a, a short like docu-series. And so can I get, you know, so it's like, boom. Like they, and they saw that right there in that moment of just like, I didn't pitch. I didn't, I didn't, wasn't selling anything other than my just, own value. Right. It's like, oh, hey, you got a problem? Why, why fix problems? You know, so, and then they're like, oh, wow. You know, like that could potentially be a few thousand dollar job that you just got from turning around and talking to somebody and promoting another event on top of that. And then it was a couple of days later where the same thing happened again for a mural in another spot, um, a, a paid mural in another spot around town. So, you know, like, I, and I think that that's the kind of stuff that gets me excited because it's not natural for me. So for me, in my opinion, everyone can do it. You know, it's like. So what, but what did you do specifically to help you with that process? Did you just like mentally, I'm going to talk to this many no, people today? No, man, I, I, I cut my teeth and I shed some blood, man. Like I'd go, I would take my CDs and we'd get them. It's me and Swamberger from the Soliloquist of Sound. We'd get, we'd, uh, we'd record in our house and then we'd get the CDs printed up with a local guy that would do CD duplication. Uh, so we'd get like 100, 200 of them. And uh, then we'd get like thin jewel cases, the plastic cases, mm-hmm. and go get some sleeves at Kinko's. And we'd kind of punk just rock. DIY, very I punk mean, rock. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't you punk rock, but it, it was, punk was rock, very punk was, rock, yeah. the credo, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we would go and just go up to strangers. And he was my mentor, still is in a lot of ways, in a lot of things that we do together. But he was really my mentor and like, hey, watch this. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is how you walk up to somebody that you don't know and they don't know you and you present yourself and your value. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and there's a huge amount of vulnerability in it. There's a huge amount of confidence that's required. 
uh, and the ability to get to take rejection. How many, 99 and, out of 100? And or? I had, I, I seriously had like full tables of people laugh at me. I had people take my CDs and throw them. I had someone spit at me, you know, and I tell people because, you know, I don't care anymore about vulnerability. Like um, I would go into the bathrooms at barbecue bar and I would cry, like just completely just lose it. And just be super overwhelmed and just have this kind of emotional breakdown. And then I would pull myself together. I would remind myself that I put myself in this situation. This is something that I want to do. That my whole life has been playing out this very, very, very typical uh, roadmap from point A to point B. And the reason why I'm here is because I didn't want that anymore. You know, like I dropped out of college because of the um, predictability of the life path that I had chosen, that everyone else had put me on, that my mm. parents had put me on, the religion I had at the time had put me on, like, you know, society or whatever, not to make it too big, it had put me on. And according to, like, the checklist, I was doing all the right things. And yet at the same time, I wasn't happy, I wasn't satisfied, I didn't feel like I was pursuing, you know, like, I was top chair in the UCF orchestra for my instrument. I was a music performance and education major. I was going to be a band teacher. I can't imagine. I don't even like kids. Like, why would I be a, a school oh, be teacher? A teacher? You know, it'd yeah. be horrible. Um, and and on top of that, just playing old dead people's music from you know hundreds and hundreds of years ago is like, you know, I want to make my own stuff. I want to express my own voice and my own ideas, my own imagination. And uh, but you know, there is an indispensable value and lesson in being able to go out and talk to strangers and just create a conversation. And that's how. You make money. That's how you get girlfriends or boyfriends. That's how you you get kind of buzz and acclaim and people talking about you mm -hmm. is by being present. And all of that is a balance between what you have to do in the bedroom, what you have to do in the studio, what you have to do on set, all of the extra work that goes into that and staying up till 3 o'clock in the morning to get this edit done so that you can have it posted by the next day. And also like, okay, I need to take this night off so that I can go to this event and just go up to people and start shaking hands like hey how you doing what are you up to blah 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 you know and uh and there's there's a rhythm of it and i love talking about i love talking about this stuff because it's stuff that no one told me but i feel that it was life-changing right right and so one of the things i was I, I was at an event uh, a couple of weeks ago art opening and uh was talking to this young uh uh, curator this young curator right so she had only curated like one show she was right out of college and stuff and she was a lot more shy uh, and so it was you know very noticeable she's a very very quiet girl and so she was like you know skip how is it that you you talk to everybody like there's hundreds of people in here and you've talked to like everybody for at least like 30 seconds you know and i was telling her and i was just passing some tricks on her it's just like when you walk into a place finds one thing that you like about every person in that place, right? And if anything, it's an exercise in being able to see the best of people, right? So it's not imagine them naked. No, okay, not imagine good. them naked. I will not do that anymore. Just one thing like, oh, man, I really like her scarf. I like his shirt. I like his beard, whatever. It's just one thing that you can genuinely and authentically compliment someone on. And when you start a conversation with a stranger with a compliment, you're in for at least 30 seconds, 30, 40 seconds. You can get them, yeah. Yeah, and you can at least, oh, man, blah, 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 and they're going to tell you where they got it from, and then they're going to probably give you... it's authentic. It's authentic. Right. You're it's not just, technique. hey, nice hair. Sure, but yeah. it's, 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 it's a technique, but at the same time, and it's a, an approach, but at the same time, like, the only interaction that you're initiating is a compliment. 
And then from there, things can or can't sometimes go from there, you know, so you don't know. It might, might, maybe they compliment you. Oh, that's really awesome. All right, cool. Well, I got a, you know, it feels like, oh, you got to pull out, you know, like strong entrance, strong exit. We got to go talk to that guy. I got to go, you know, I'm going to go get a drink. It was nice meeting you, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But then they might ask you a question. Oh, so what are you doing here? You know, well, well, what what do you do? Are you an artist or blah, blah, blah. And then you give them another 30 seconds. Give them just a quick answer. Oh, yeah, I do this, 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 and blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then if they're like, oh, okay, all right, cool. And then it's like, all right, cool, thank you, nice to meet you. But if they keep on asking more questions, then you create like a dialogue, conversation. Mm-hmm. And you don't know by the end of that, you might get another gallery show, you might get up sale, you might get a date, you might get who knows, you know. But like being able to be equipped and to be experienced enough in conversation um, makes it so that you have a hundred times more potential opportunities in that situation than if you would, than if you just sat over in the corner and waited for someone to come over and be like, Hey, are you an artist? Cause I've got a, I've got an opportunity for you. You know, like it doesn't happen like that. You have to be self-actuating. You have to be, you have to activate yourself. You have to be your own manager, your own agent, your own press person. Like you have to be out there kind of like almost like you're running for politics and pressing the flesh, shaking the hands, kissing the babies because it's just as important. People have to see you as a person so that when you do have that thing that you're trying to get them to or this thing that you're trying to get them to buy or whatever it is, is that it's you're not just a salesman, you know, that you actually... You, you have you, that product, for lack of a better term. Exactly. I don't want to call, you know, what you do. Or, and you have a value that right. you pass on to them. You know, like if you're doing it right, hopefully they're going to feel like that you're doing them a favor by selling them this thing. You well, know? it's... You know, in a way, it's that uh, the old ideal of don't hide your talent, you know, under a bushel. Sure. Whatever it is. The, I think it's biblical, but maybe it's not. I don't know. This uh, little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's the one. That's the one. But it's not just, okay, I'm just going to post this on Instagram. So sure. we have these venues and we have these avenues where we think that, oh, well, I am putting it out there and no one's recognizing me. So it, it must be not good or it must be yeah. not the right thing or not the right thing at this time or I'm a failure. Um, part of it is, though, you have to drive people to it. Yeah, There's so much noise in the world. There's so many things. And you more than likely as an artist, whether that's music or visual art or anything else, there's probably an audience for it Yeah, somewhere. It, maybe if it is only 20 people, they're only going to hear about it if you keep pushing around and you keep pushing at it like you're saying, like you're describing. And there's a consistency that goes along with that. So, I mean, I, I know a lot of people who are amazing artists, but they just really, really, really suck at talking to people. So when they're at an art gallery, you know, opening or exhibit or something like that, you know, they're they're definitely letting their art speak for them. But at the same time, they're over in the corner and they're they're kind of not talking to people, you know. Um, I, I really think that you have to be able to, to have a consistency with what you are, because I think there's a separation that people see is like, this is who this person is, or this is what this person does. Mm. Right. So like, if they see you, um, you know, every time they see you, you're trying to sell them something. And I've been that person before. Cause you know, there's, there is a grace with all of it. Um, and, a, and a light handedness that is required that I didn't really have at the beginning of it. You know, it was very heavy handed. Um, but what people do want to see is that you're not just like a one trick pony. You're not just, Oh, well, yeah, whenever he's at an event, he's, he's selling stuff, but he doesn't really do anything other than that. And, and so, you know, no one is going to see the amount of hours that you put in on yourself unless you're, you know, 
Instagramming or you know yeah, uh, every part of the pictures. process like, or something. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm editing late tonight. And I, you know, I do that sometimes because people connect with that mm. and they relate with that and they 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 appreciate that. I think they have a lot of respect for that kind of stuff uh, to see the work in motion to see it in action. Well, um, to bring light to the process too is important for yeah. people to see the amount of work that goes into something. But I think more so is that when people that, that consistency when people see that you love the process, right? You have your head in the clouds. You have big ideas, big dreams and stuff, but you have your feet on the ground and you appreciate the dirt. You appreciate where you're at right now. You know, and like I'm in a completely different space in my life right now than I was two months ago. Like I've been in a very specific situation for the last six years and now I'm in a completely different situation. And there is um, a certain amount of that consistency and drive that people need to see that you are absolutely in love with the process and oh this is what i was going to say sorry i was uh, i was vamping for a second there trying to remember what my thought was is um is having being overwhelmed with gratitude and i find myself in that position now you know like i was uh going back through some footage i'm not going to say too much but it involved uh, a big art installation that I did years back. This is part of that uh, announcement thing that we're uh, that I was talking about a little earlier. Um, and footage of this giant banana installation that I had made mm-hmm. called Exploita El Tercer Mundo, which was this giant 20-foot-long uh, banana, big yellow banana that was crushing the Chiquita banana lady underneath it. And it was fruit everywhere. Um, and uh, was looking at all the news coverage because it was all over like Fox News. It was on NPR. It was like all over the place. And uh, just had like this moment, you know, of like being overwhelmed with being so grateful because at the end of the day, I want to be a millionaire. That sounds great, you know, but I don't really care about the money. I want the opportunities. I want the options. Right. I want to be able to like I have an idea and I can make it and I don't have to worry. Oh, well, that's going to cost this much or that's going to be this or there's this limitation for this or Mm -hmm. transportation from this point A to point B or whatever. It's just I want to be able to have the money that I can just do the things that I want to do. But at the same time, like, I'm my own boss. No one tells me what to do. I am my own boss. That in itself, I have to be eternally grateful for just the ability to do that. Mm. Even if I never end up on, you know, top five radio billboard or if I'm never, you know, trending on Twitter or whatever, any of those things, that would be great. They would be great to happen. But just the fact that I can look at where I'm at, the people that I am surrounded by, the people I get to work with, the people I get to live with, um, and the things that I get to create and the people that I get to create it for is, is amazing. It's just absolutely overwhelming that I get to do what it is that I get to do every day. I feel like the luckiest person in the world. And I think that people connect and relate with that and that they want to support somebody who has that kind of attitude and that kind of drive. So that's why I would answer drive and determination is because I'm at where I'm at right now in my life and in my career and just, you know, as this cog in a wheel because of a drive and determination to not quit, to not give up, to not allow, man, it would have been so much easier to like, for example, I've been um, developing this TV show for, for a few years now called Skip's Big Ideas. And it's, it's hard. It is really hard to develop like a full length TV show when you're basically doing it by yourself and, um, it's got a lot a of moving expense. parts. It's got yeah. a lot of moving parts and a lot of things, a lot of story weaving and all of that kind of stuff. But really, it's like a lot of money to shoot everything. Um, and okay, here it goes vamping again. I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, 
So I've been doing this show. Oh, and uh, so initially when I first started, I was actually approached by a production company. This was before I started doing film on my own. Mm. Uh, I was pre- uh, pre- uh, presented uh, an opportunity to create an original TV show for their channel. Um, and they were going to do all of the camera work and all the editing. And all I would have to do is set up these events and uh, to be able to knock it out of the park, right? Um, so did all the storyboards, wrote all the scripts, got everything ready to go. We were like halfway to, we were doing two projects, two episodes at the same time. And then they pulled out. I, I think it was just, you know, too much for them to, to do, right? They, maybe, maybe they thought they bit off more than they could chew. But I decided like, okay, well, I've put so much into this. We've already taken money from this and fundraising. We got a grant, like money's been spent, money that can't be returned. Going. And what it is that I ended up doing was just going out and buying a, a newer version of the iPhone and which shot 4k and looked really nice. And, and I just finished um, the episode, the pilot episode with my phone and just, you know, chopped mm-hmm. it up in a, in a free version of final cut that someone had given me. And so I, I, I taught myself, I film school, essentially taught myself cameras, taught myself how to edit, thesis. taught myself how to color correct, taught myself all of that. And it was, you know, I, I do not want to have to apologize to everybody for for messing up, for you know getting too involved or biting off more than I could chew. And I've had so many examples of that, of just like whether it be through inexperience or bravado, um, and it's just like, oh yeah, I can do that by that time. And then it's like, man, like working on a mural for eighteen hours a day uh, on top of a ladder you know, to get this thing done. And it's like, man, I, I really did this the hard way, you know, but now I know how to do it the right way for next time, you know? And so in other words, you're not, part of it is making those mistakes and having that translate into something that you can use later on. Exactly. Well, I mean, you, you learn through your failures. And so I, I really support my failures and my losses. Um, however, at the same time, I'm really picky about which one's, they're going to be, you know, like, so if it's an opportunity for me to grow and to learn something, um, you know, ultimately having that video content, having, you know, a TV show in which I can do big projects and work with companies and work with public events and things, that is absolutely the most no brainer approach Mm -hmm. for being able to present what it is that I do. You know, like it's either that or just keep on painting canvases and, and hope that someone's going something to see something along, and yeah. something will come along. But if you can put yourself out there as like, hey, here's these big, big projects, these big ideas. I'm executing them. They look fantastic. Check out all of these happy, smiling people in the um, audience of this event interacting with it. Everyone just seems like they're having a really, really great time. And don't you want to have Skip at your event? You know, like, don't you want to have franchise industries and skips big ideas at your event? Well, of course. And that's, you know, even just from the pilot and putting that out, I've gotten calls from all different kinds of people of like, hey, can we can we pay you to be a part of this show? You know, like, can you know, what's the what's the process with all of this? And, you know, how much does it cost and how much is the sponsorships and stuff like that? And so it's like, okay, yeah, getting this thing off the ground is an absolute no brainer because this is the delivery mechanism for what it is that I do, because I can blend my music, I can blend my art, and I can blend my filmmaking all in one thing. And um, so that was something that I really, really, really applied myself every day, all day long, just learning, teaching myself Final Cut, teaching myself cameras, teaching myself 
lenses, teaching myself all of the, you know, lighting techniques and tricks and, and just, you know, YouTubing it up. Like, how do you color correct in Final, you know, Final Cut 10? YouTube You know, how do you yeah. use scopes and how do you use a histogram and how do you use all this kind of stuff? And, um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's interesting because at the end of the day, I get to make, I get to make content like this on the spot show, you know? Um, it's, it's really humbling and amazing. And, again, it's that overwhelmed with gratitude thing of, like, being stopped around town and being like, you do the, the on the spot show, right? You know, like, and um, to be able to create something and put it out there, especially as a third party, it's one thing when you're like, hey, this is a skip release. This is skip, 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 skip. Um, but when you do it through your production company, uh, which is called a pivotal character productions, um, and then you don't really have your face attached to it. But so you kind of get to see from a third person what people's real feelings are towards the project. Right. And you see everyone really, really freaking out and enjoying this thing that you made. And then it becomes this thing of like, oh, yeah, by the way, that's me. You know, like I do that. Like You do that. Like, yeah, I do that. I developed that show for them, you know, and sold it for them. And um, but, yeah, I mean, it's all driving determination and putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and, and things that you never knew how to do. And some of them are really flashy and fun and some of them aren't writing press releases, writing sponsorship proposals. Um, project proposals, like all of those things. That's like the flashy it, stuff, right? That's that's the fun, flashy stuff. Um, and it takes a lot of time, and then you don't get really any reward other than you know, hopefully you you make that presentation like the Sam Flax thing. You know, I had to. I created that pilot episode for the on the spot, you know, on my own dime because mm-hmm. I knew that this show, I knew a show like this would would be impactful because there was a vacuum in Orlando of content, original content like that, and. uh and so I created the pilot myself, shot it with Swanberger, and um, presented the, the pilot to them and had the whole proposal. And we had, like, you know, business meeting, boardroom type thing, whatever, and, and uh, went through the whole thing. And, and this was my first time, like, actually selling a program. You know, like, this is the idea, this is the concept, this is what it looks like, this is how much I can do it for. So for people who are listening, On the Spot is a, it's generally about four episodes per artist, right? It's a very short form. Uh, You focus on an artist here in Orlando. Yep. So yourself, you mentioned Swamberger, I just watched the... um, uh, and that's a whole different thing as well, too. I can talk about it in a second. But Samantha Shoemaker yep, was and then one. Today starts uh, Andrew Spear for the next yeah. month. And so then next month is going to be Boy Kong. About yeah, one, a week. one minute each? Every Monday, every Monday one, uh, a one-minute episode is released on the artist. So all in all, it's, uh, it's four, four minutes or one minute per week. And essentially, they're just really introductory, beginner-level art techniques that are uh, taught by local artists that you know. And that, you know, are techniques that they use in their own artwork and painting, right? So if you have a favorite artist being able to kind of like look behind the curtain a little bit and be able to see like how they do it and also what products they use, which was the great tie-in with Sam Flax Orlando, is that the, the, the artists are using Sam Flax products. Um, so, and for those of people who don't know, Sam Flax Orlando is a local art store. So you're seeing one of your favorite artists using these Sam Flax products um, and then showing you how to use these Sam Flax products uh, their way. And uh, then the the logical extension of that is that person goes into Sam Flax and they buy the things that the artist was working on and they go home and try it out and they go home and practice it. You know, so it's a perfect symbiosis between all of these different parties and it creates, it spreads value. It spreads benefit and value to multiple people by just making one thing, right? Um, and the other very interesting thing is, is I, I sold them this show and, and this, is, this is how this kind of works sometimes, 
is I sold them the show and there wasn't anything in the liner notes that, hey, I want to be one of the artists on on the episodes. And they were just like, oh, okay, yeah, well, how about Bob the Swam and then, uh, you know, Samantha Shoemaker and then and, and you and then, and because uh, I'm actually uh, an instructor, teacher at St. Flex Rolling. Now I do mm-hmm. an art class there once a month, uh, stencils and spray paint for introductory level. And uh, so they're like, yeah, well, I mean, that, you know, promotes the class or whatever. And then so now I'm, I'm getting paid to make promotional materials for myself, right, through a platform that I'm in charge of, but at the same time, like, I get to put out through a third party. So it doesn't look like I've, you know, there's a certain amount of product and content that you put out and you could put out the same interview that you put out yourself and, and, and with, with uh, in an interviewer like yourself, for example, and put it out and people are like, Oh yeah, that's cool. Whatever. But if Rolling Stone or, you know, Cosmopolitan magazine or HuffPost or whatever, put that out they would be like oh my god that's so crazy that's amazing congratulations blah 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 and so having things that you that are put out by somebody else it 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 activates like a different it sparks a different part of the brain Mm -hmm. i think and people look at you and what you're doing differently there's almost more of a uh like an official like oh that's actually there's actually something happening it's more genuine it's more credible because it's not just you saying the thing over and over again exactly you're putting it out through that venue and so that's a perfect opportunity and um you know having having these different tools and instruments they're almost like different wings a part of your your mansion that you're creating where it's like i can get paid off of making video content but also at the same time like i have the video content ability that mm. I can do for my own projects. Or if I'm involved, like for example, um, I'm my, my company is going to be filming the San, San Flax wall project this Saturday. I'm also one of the artists as well too. So it's like, I have a lot of hats that I'm wearing, a lot of plates that I'm spinning. I'm going to be directing and coordinating the whole video production side of it and doing interviews and doing all that kind of stuff other the day. And I'm also going to be doing my mural as well too, you know? And the video part of it is probably mostly behind the scenes. I don't think a lot of people are going to be seeing me there that day. They might see me running around a lot, but they're not going to be like, oh, he's multitasking. He's doing a lot of things at one time, but he's doing them all at a superior level, right? A level of quality. Um, But at the same time, to know that, all right, like I am able to work with the people that I want to work with and I'm able to not have to worry about the financial part of it because I'm, I'm benefiting. There's so much value that's being spread around. And that's one of the reasons why I even went to downtown arts district to begin with. And I set up there, you know, they didn't have an Instagram account. So I set that up for them. They didn't have an, a, a, an optimized YouTube channel set that up for them. Um, I worked out a, a relationship between them and Orlando live to be able to get free video clips of their third Thursday events and their special events and put that out through their websites and their social medias, right? And really all it was was someone having an idea and being willing to have the meetings and the phone conversations and the back and forth on the email in order to be able to set something up in which you could take some of the value that a company has and be able to spread it. Because right now we live in a paradigm where the, the, the idea of, of marketing and promotions has changed. You know, So a company, a furniture store, uh, for example... They, they might not benefit from a, a typical commercial like, hey, my name is Dave. Come on down to furniture, blah, 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 clearance, blowout sale, and we got the wacky inflatable arm man, whatever. It's just now for the end of the week. 
um, the, 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 the engagement on that may not be as good if you, as if you were to find, say, like, I don't know, a local skateboarder that's really great, right? And have, like, a skateboard video, boom, 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 and he's doing the, the wheelies and the grindies and all this kind of stuff like that. Um, and then at the end of it, it's, like, sponsored by so-and-so's carpet store. You know, like, you might actually get a lot more attention and interest in your company and in your brand from creating some kind of content that, that promotes multiple people at one time and you look like the beneficiary, the, the, the person who, who made that possible, and then people are more curious about your company and your brand. So, Well, it is, it is not about that self-promotion. You can't do that as much anymore. You have to tie in as many people. You have to create this tribe online especially. Well, and especially when people aren't good at certain things, right? So if you have a team in which you're really, really good at like one thing, you have to be able to either surround yourself with people who are good at the rest of it or to create a relationship in which you can trade or barter, right? That you can spread the value around and be like, okay, well, I have 50,000 people on my Instagram, but I don't know how to work a camera. You know, can we work something out? Or like, hey, I'm a really great event promoter. I can always get 1,000 people there, but at the same time, we don't really have a budget for this. Can we work something out? And it's like, okay, well, if you're posting this, this, and this about me this many times in the two weeks leading up to this event, you know, on your 40,000 people Instagram or whatever it is, that's a value Mm -hmm. that you're passing along to me. Like you could actually put a dollar value, dollar amount on it and be able to charge that to people. That's what Orlando Weekly does. In order to be able to get a post on their Instagram page, you got to pay them, you know, because they have 75,000 people on their Instagram. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to see it and it is worth the, however much it is, to be able to buy that ad and to have it be, you know that it's going to go out to that many people and you're probably going to get some bump of a probably a couple hundred extra followers and a lot of engagement and a lot of awareness for what it is you're doing, right? So knowing what your strengths are, knowing what your weaknesses are and knowing what the value is that you can provide to people puts you in a situation and puts you in a control, uh, controlled environment, excuse me, puts you in a controlled environment where... Um, you know how to move your chess pieces around so that not so that you're not the only person who's benefiting, but that so you could spread the benefit around to everybody else. And once you do that, uh, people see that they really do. Mm-hmm. Like, oh wow, like this person got this, and this person got this, and this person made this money, and this thing got in here, and we got this other opportunity to go there. And uh, the more that you do that, the the more momentum I think that you're going to have because. Um, essentially it's a form of being uh, community driven, right? So that my idea, I'd always had the wrong idea about community. I used to be like really, really into community, right? And, um, but now I really understand through experience and perspective is that the idea of community is um, helping others by also helping yourself. Um, That there is a level, if you can create something that, that feeds everybody, then at that point, you benefiting from it is only a logical extension mm-hmm. of all of the work, all of the effort, all of the care, all of the value, you know, that the quality that you're passing along to those people, right? Um, whereas I think a lot of people, they're either all or the other. Like it's all whatever the community, you know, just like show up to the event and it's community, whatever. But actually creating opportunities, like one of my biggest, uh, proudest things in my life is being able to be a job creator, right? To actually call somebody up and be like, hey, are you booked for, you know, April 5th? 
you know, I can pay you this much money to do this job. These are the hours. Be like, oh, man, thank you so much, you know? And that's something that I learned with my graphic design, my production company that was originally just a graphic design company, uh, which is when you can, you know, create a logo for somebody and they're like, hey, I'd really love to get this logo animated, right? And be like, okay, cool. I, I don't do that, but I have a guy. Let me talk to him and see, you know, what is on his plate and what he can do it for. And then you call that guy and be like, hey, how much can you animate this logo for? Oh, I could do that for 75 all right, cool. Let me go talk to the client. Be like, hey, he can do it for 150. Oh man, that's so great. Thank you so much for taking care of that. Not a problem. Blah, blah, blah. Go. And then essentially you just do like a few emails back and forth. You're playing a middleman and you just made 75 bucks off of 15 minutes worth of communique between two people. Right. And also this person is in love with you because you just gave them their rate. You didn't haggle with them. You didn't ask for some kind of a, a deal or a discount or anything like that. You gave them what they asked for. So they're loving you, right? And then your client is loving you because you they needed something and you provided, right? And you provided with a reasonable cost and all of that. And I learned, like, it was like a light switch going off. I was like, wow, man, that's how businesses operate. Like, that's what I've been doing wrong this whole time is, like, at the end of the day, everyone else gets paid except for me. And then I have to go work, you know, 80 hours someplace in order to be able to pay my bills because I invested all of my time and my value and I didn't get paid anything. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that was a, a huge, huge life lesson. And now it's like, all right, I want to be able to hire people. I want to be able to, to put money in their pocket. I want to be able to give them their, their rates, right. Their half days or their full days and to, so to make them happy in that way. And then also when they're on my set, to make sure that everyone's happy, to make sure everyone's got something to drink, to make sure that everything is, is going smoothly and it's a positive working environment. Um, and I find that my employees, uh, they love when I call them. And they, they go out of their way to be able to be there because of that, that work culture that I've created, which is based around the fact that you know, like I myself am overwhelmingly grateful for what it is that I get to do and who I get to work with and including them, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that passes along. But at the end of the day, they also get to see just like I was saying with this, that with being at Sam Flax is like when you hold yourself a certain way, you present yourself a certain way, you talk to people a certain way is that and you're open in a certain way is that that things happen like things always happen. And there are things that you you couldn't get from a LinkedIn email that things that you couldn't get from, you know, an Instagram post. I mean, maybe you could, but like they, I find they come a lot more rapidly and a lot more quality when it comes from just a conversation that you start out with somebody. Right. But ultimately it's not just the conversation. It's the, the energy it's the vibe that you have when you're walking around. Um, and so when you start talking to people, they're like, who is this guy? Why don't I know about him? You know? And then from there you start, inserting and injecting that value be like this is what i do this is what i can do for you blah 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 this is what i can do it for and they're like oh man blah 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 oh, i made this and i did this and and it, that drive in that level of determination that is is so beneficial it, it it plants the seeds you know there's the short game and the long game and if you can be doing both like investing into your short game and into your long game at the same time mm -hmm. you have this level of consistency that just keeps on like thanking you back, you know? Well, let's leave it at that for now. Let's take a quick break and listen to some music. Thank you very much, Skip. And uh, to follow you 
Uh, one would go to Facebook and Instagram for the most part. That's sure. Yeah, it's an easy way to find me. Pretty much everything and uh, the YouTube, all of that is uh, at Seaskip, S-E-E-S-K-I-P, like Seaskip Run. Um, and you can you can find tons of different content and things that I'm working on. And uh, definitely want to plug this Saturday's uh, Sam Flax Wall Project. Mm-hmm. I was just there the other day, and we were re- we were painting the whole outside of the building white. Was that heartbreaking, or was it? It's time? part of the like process. But I'm excited about I'm excited about this is going to be a really really great year. And I'm there's a lot of stuff happening, so I'm not going to get hung up on the the small potatoes but you know i'm going to be doing a, a, another mural there on saturday um that's you know i'm excited that's what i am is i'm excited to be able to show people the new yeah. the new piece that i'm going to be painting um and i hope they love it as much but yeah i mean the people love that salt girl the uh we've got a pill for that and um you know constantly get tagged and 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 on instagram and stuff so that was uh that was an interesting experience so we got to paint the whole thing white and then this saturday we're gonna have amazing lineup uh we're gonna have boy kong andrew spear myself swamberger shia av um steven uh steven teller i probably should have pulled this up on my phone christian stanley willie soto um yeah lots of different people um really 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 great artists and we're gonna have food trucks there we're going to have live music by dj bmf 91.5 is going to be there doing live interviews on air with the artists um so it's uh, all ages it's free um and it is going from 10 to 5 so definitely come by there um it is going to be a big huge party come meet some artists take some pictures uh, get some food and uh, have a good time well, if people have never been there, Sam Flax is a is an experience. Like just seeing all the products and all the materials they have there, you'll be inspired to do something. Maybe even something different sure. than what you do, and maybe even something that you watched on on the spot. Correct on the downtown arts district. Yes, that is correct. Hey, at the beginning of the show, we heard from Neve. That was from their album "Fall Hard, Get Sad." Because if you're going to fall hard, you're going to get sad. Uh, we heard "So Sick." We're going to hear Natalie Prass next from the new album "The Future and the Past." Uh, oh my, on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to Odd Numbers. Support local artists. Support people who are making incredible things. Deli Fresh Threads, Potheads by Amber. They've both been on the show before. They're going to both be at the Sanford Indie Market on Sunday, February 17th from 11 to 5 p.m. That's right in front of and around, possibly inside, Tuffy's Bottle Shop and Lounge up there in Sanford. Somewhere you should go. I'll go if you go. We can all go together. We can ride share together. Let's do that. The Sanford Indie Market, Sunday, February 17th, 2019, from 11 to 5 p.m. 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Not 11 p.m. to 5 p.m. That would be weird. Marissa Nadler on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to Certain Degree. That was from her new album, For My Crimes. Are you really going to move to the South? It was very introspective. Before the break, we heard from Natalie Prass. The Future and the Past is the name of the album. The song was, oh my. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to Odd Numbers on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. I do the show every week. Every week I have a very special guest this week is no exception. Skip is here. Good morning, Skip. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So we've been talking a little bit about uh, Odd Numbers is a topic-driven uh, show, and so we talk about uh, different things that are important to us. Uh, specifically for you, Skip, when we were talking about a topic, you said drive and determination. Um, as a musician, 
as a self-employed business owner, as an artist, you have to have a lot of that in order to continue at that on a day-to-day basis. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the things I wanted to talk about, you mentioned in the first hour, and we'll have the entire conversation up on to a certain degree here in the next week or so, if somebody wants to listen to it, it's available as a podcast as well. Um, You talked about deciding at some point during college that that was not the path for you. Sure, yeah. And that's not an easy, even today, I think there's, there's still a stigma of dropping out of college. There's a stigma to potentially not going to college right out of high school. Um, and we have to examine our own biases, and this is probably not the uh, soapbox to do it on, but we have to examine our own biases in terms of why we think that that's the only way to be successful in some cases. Sure. But for you, you realized that it just wasn't. What was what was that point at which you said, uh, "This is not going to work. There's there's no way this is going to work." Well, I mean, to be perfectly honest, when I decided when I made that decision, there was definitely no cheerleaders, you know, applauding me and 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 encouraging me like, "Yes, go out and." figure out what you want to do and, and, and quit this thing that you've been working on your whole life and, and all of that. Uh, so, I mean, at that point I was in my third year of getting my uh, music performance, uh, major, my degree over at UCF. And, uh, by all accounts, I was doing really, really well. I was, you know, first chair in the orchestra or the, the wind ensemble. And I was first chair with the uh, saxophone quartet. And, um, that was my main instrument was saxophone and clarinet. And, um, you know, which is also, this is a little, it's interesting too, because when I talk about these stories, they're almost like I'm describing someone else, right? So when I tell somebody, you know, that I used to be really shy and introverted and couldn't talk to people, it's like, okay, well, that seems like a different person, you know, like that my whole life since I was a little kid, all I wanted to do was play saxophone. Um, that seems like a, a weird thing that people might not kind of infer from knowing me currently, right? Um, in the same way that a lot of people know me as being more of a visual artist and, uh, you know, I have it really put music out there in a long time, which is, is, is changing, uh, very soon here. Um, so yeah, so I could totally get that, but there were no cheerleaders. There was no support for it. And uh, it was a very unpopular decision. And what had happened was, is it's hard to completely describe the full context because, um, there's family involved with it. There's religion involved with it. But, um, I grew up, uh, the son of a Southern Baptist preacher, And, uh, I was, I would like to say that I was the black sheep in the family that just didn't go along with any of it, but I was, you know, the same amount of drive and and zealousness, zealousness that I have with everything that I do now. I I had towards, you know, beating people with Bibles and getting them to church and and witnessing to people and, Mm -hmm. and, and going on, you know, church retreats and doing all that, right? Like wearing the Christian t-shirts at school and, 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 and trying to, to make an impact, right, with that specific thing. Uh, yet at the same time, you know, I was homeschooled. I was super, um, what do they call that? What's the word? Where you're like kept away from the world, right? Sheltered. Uh, I was very, very sheltered, very, very, very conservative. Um, you know, basically, for anyone who knows what the Southern Baptist thing is, you're basically one step away from the the fundamentalist types, you know, holding picket signs and stuff like that. Hold on one second. So, uh, so yeah, so that was, you know, that was my life. And then, um, you know, the thing that complicated that a lot more too was, is that, uh, you know, I'm a, a proud queer person, 
Um, and, uh, I like all different kinds of things. And, uh, you know, when I, it was a lot easier being in that lifestyle of being uber Christian and all that kind of stuff like that before I hit puberty. But then once I hit puberty and was like, well, this doesn't make any sense, you know, like why does God hate me so much that he made me this way? Mm-hmm. You know, like what did I ever do to God? All I wanted would to be was like his biggest fan, you know, and his hardest worker. And, uh, you know, it became a thing of, you know, well, I like girls, but I also like guys. Well, what does that mean? And and then, you know, beating myself up. I didn't need anyone to beat me up. I beat myself up, you know, and I think that in the church, that's a very unique form of control mechanisms where they, you are your own prisoner and your own warden at the same time. Like you put yourself in jail and you keep yourself there. Well, in some instances, they they encourage this level of guilt or this self-loathing yeah. so that control is a, is a way to put it, but basically so they can keep you enamored sure. with the idea of going and, and being obligated to go. Yeah. And they, they introduce that and then they also maintain that consistently. I yeah, mean, not every consistent, church. Well, maybe we, have, not. we do have some churches that listen now. Yeah. I think that is definitely a lot. Like, no, I mean, literal churches that listen to this program. Oh, word. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think that now a lot of people, even, you know, people that could be considered to be more conservative are a lot more open-minded and liberal now yeah. than they used to be. For that's sure. great. You know, that's the the opening up of tolerance, I think, is really great. But, you know, my personal experience leading up into, into college, again, was trying to come to terms to the, 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 the opposing uh, – people on my shoulder, right, speaking in my ear. You know, I had one on one side and one on the other. And, uh, you know, my parents didn't want me to listen to any music that wasn't Christian music or gospel music. They didn't want me to watch any movies that weren't, you know, G or PG and then a little later PG-13. Um, so I missed out. So on, how did the saxophone come up? Because it seems like that was just yeah, something. Jazz, jazz oh, okay. is real easy for that, you know, because it's not controversial at all. Um, but uh, what was I saying? So the... So you, you're watching very few things. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I guess no experience. So, I mean, I yeah. didn't even hear the Beatles for the first time until I was like 22, I think. You know, Dark Side of the Moon was 22, 23. Like, I am in a constant state of 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 living and existing in the present and also in the past because, you know, like, it still makes a difference in someone's life to hear Queen's A Day at the Races even, you know, even now, right? If you haven't heard that before, and a lot of people I know, they're like, oh, I used to listen to this Eagle song when I was, you know, dancing on my dad's feet when I was a little kid and we'd in the living room mm-hmm. or whatever. And they have so many attachments to their family and yeah, their upbringing. Those, yeah, you can just be music. taken back to a, a, a specific time. And I get a small piece of that. However, mine are completely solo. They're completely by myself. You know, they're not attached to somebody else. It's like, I remember where I was listening to this record for the first time, sitting on my floor, that's it, you know, and, and my experience with it. And and then I would try to, exp- you know, share that experience with somebody else, and they'd be like, yeah, I heard that record 20 years ago, you know, like, and yet at the same time, like, it doesn't take away from the genuine excitement of mm-hmm. hearing Black Betty for the first time or something, you know, like, it's, it's, it's this new thing that doesn't exist really publicly right now or it's a sound that even though it's old it's still new to you so i had this constant war where i was hearing things on the radio i was seeing things on tv and i was uh going through much lengths in order to kind of sneak cds 
you know, buy them without, you know, my parents knowing about it and then hiding them under my bed and stuff. So where a lot of my friends were hiding like dirty magazines and stuff under their bed, I was hiding, you know, CDs and stuff. And, uh, you know, that became part of my lifestyle, but it became this kind of clashing titans of trying to figure out who's in control here, mm-hmm. you know, like who's in the driver's seat, who's in the passenger seat. So, so you came into college almost from a sensory deprivation perspective, like without a lot of those experiences, without a lot of sure. those uh, pop culture references. And, and definitely an absence of direct, um, direct influence. So right. was it like turning on a fire hose all of a sudden? You're you're inundated. There with was these an things? aspect of that. I mean, I, I I didn't really start clicking until I was in my third year. I was very much in a kind of an autopilot. I did a lot of my um, my college classes in high school. Right, I did a lot of dual enrollment and, okay. and AP classes and stuff. So I had most of my AA taken care of by the time I even showed up at UCF. And even then, I mean, it's also kind of interesting to say that I had a full ride to UCF off of the music. Right. So like I had this kind of career that all I had to do was show up to my classes and apply myself. And, and, and I was I was going to be set. this thing. I was yeah. set. Right. But the thing that I was set for more and more, it was like, man, do I is this what I want to do? And uh, in my third year, I uh, was going to take my last um, general education course. Right. For the AA. Um, and it was psychology, psychology 101. And uh, first day class, it's one of those big, huge auditoriums, like 600, 700 people in this class. And the teacher comes up and he says, uh, you know, thanks everyone for being here. And uh, he gives this whole spiel about how, you know, everyone that's in the room at that point, um, they're all there because of somebody else's intentions and choices um, and desire for their life, right? Whether that's their parents or their pastor or their teachers or, you know, the guidance counselor at school. Um, and one day you're going to figure out who you are and what you want with your life. And hopefully by the time that you figure it out, that it's not too late to do something with it. Wow. Um, and man, I'm getting like emotional even talking about it. It was just like, it was like a counterculture message, right? It was like an yeah. anti-authority punk yeah. rock message that I had never heard from a teacher before. So that must have been a gut punch for you. That was the start of a gut punch. And it was the start of like, man, this is like a little bit of Rage Against the Machine in here in the psychology class. So I wanted to learn everything about it. And uh, so the thing that would really was the tipping point was he would show movies in the class as well, too, that had to do with uh, psychological uh, themes that we were talking about in our textbooks. And so all of these movies I'd never seen before. So that was Clockwork Orange. Um, that was Memento. Uh, a few others. But the one that really made a huge impact was Fight Club. And again, never seen these movies before. So the gut punch for each one of them was that, you know, like when he's uh, in Clockwork Orange where he's getting, like, tortured with the the, 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 the violence things, and the, the, yeah. the movies and his eyes are, you know, held open and stuff like that. You know, that guttural, like, sick feeling that you get in your stomach, it was especially poignant for me and new and fresh because a lot of people in the room, they'd seen the movie before. Like, oh, yeah, it's an old movie I've seen a long time ago, whatever. Um, but for me, it was like sitting on the edge of my seat, you know, what is going to happen. And when they got to Fight Club, um, I think it was just like where I was at that point that that kind of you working to improve yourself, but also they talk about self-improvement being masturbation and 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 just there is like a beauty and just kind of like letting everything blow up. And yet at the same time, there's this the thing that really, really caught me with that movie was the 
the the kind of the marionette character of going along and buying all the right things and doing all the right things and, and, and checking all of the boxes and then finding this chaos character that you later find is actually the chaos within yourself trying to break out. And I really, really identified with that. And I essentially had a full blown existential crisis, you know, like everything that I've been told up to this point was just a lie. And the people that have been lying to me were the people that I thought were the closest people to me. Um, and they've been keeping me in this box. They've been keeping me, you know, on these strings. And that in order for me to find my own happiness, I have to figure out what I believe in. I have to figure out what I think, what I feel, who I am, what my personality, my character, and my beliefs are. Um, and so I had like a real meltdown. I stopped going to school. Uh, stopped showing up for classes and uh, was just working like two jobs, like 80 hours a week and uh, living out of my car for a long period of time in there and just like trying to figure it out really, you know, honestly. And then it, then it came to a point where I was like, okay, well I'm failing my classes. Um, I did this thing. My grandmother had, I, I know a lot of people in college who have done this before. It's kind of dastardly, but uh, my grandmother had passed away earlier in that year. And so I kind of used the grandmother thing and uh, they gave me an opportunity to kind of make up my tests and stuff. So I passed that third year. I <laughs> went into the psychology class for the finals and uh, I didn't even take the final. And I just waited for him after class. And I was just like, hey, listen, I want to let you know that you changed my life. And I'm sorry I failed your class, but, you know, I'm a different person and I'm trying to figure out who I am. And he's like, well, then you passed, you know, you passed with flying colors. And uh let me ask you this. Do you mentioned like feeling like you were uh, being controlled, being a marionette. You were pushed towards this in many ways. You were lied to. Yeah. Well, you were pretty angry at the time. Or is that, was that part of it? Do you still well, feeling, feel like... Feeling definitely betrayed. And do you def- still feel like that? Or do you feel like that was just from a cultural standpoint, that's... That's the way we do it. There was, there was definitely a lot of anger, and I've had a lot of anger issues uh, growing up from, mm-hmm. you know, obviously not being able or allowed or uh, encouraged to kind of get that out or express that, right? When you're, the pre- when you're the pastor's son, you always have to be on your best behavior. You always have to be, you know, above reproach and doing nothing wrong. You know, you always have to be the, the, best, the best kid in the, in the group. So that's a lot of pressure, and there wasn't a lot of opportunity for me to be able to really express my, you know, natural teen, teen angst, or even some of the unnatural stuff of trying to figure out, you know, where I am on the sexuality spectrum, or, or you know, anything like that. Um, you know, however, there was like this period where, you know, I was trying very hard to prove to my family that the other decisions that I can make and the other choices that I can make still have value as well too. And that was ultimately a really destructive um, process of, you know, trying to send in newspaper clippings like, hey, I got in this magazine or I got this review on this website or I got this, you know, big opportunity here. or I'm opening for this person. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, give me, you know, like some validation, give me some validation, yeah. you know. Um, and it really came down to the point where my dad told me that he uh, super regretted Um, It was like one of his, he said it was one of his biggest regrets in his life of moving back down to Miami um, because I wouldn't be the person that I am today if he hadn't moved back down to Miami. So, wow. um, 
So basically my dad telling me that he wishes I was a different person and that he takes personal responsibility for me not being the person that he wants me to be. And, uh, you know, that was really hard. And that was definitely part of that conversation was around the whole sexuality thing and, um, and not being completely heterosexual and my, my more tolerant views towards other people of different kinds of things. Cause he's very conservative, very Republican. Um, and, uh, you know, my mom backed his play and so did my sister for the most part. And so, you know, it was, I had to make a choice of my own personal story or being in some kind of a shadow and a lie in order to be able to have a family. So I chose not having a family, but I mean, with that, you know, I've had the opportunity to have so many other different kinds of families Sure, and, you know, so many people, they, 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 there's certain beautiful people in the world who see lone wolves and they bring them into their pack. And again, you know, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude for the people. I mean, even, you know, I, a lot of people know for the last six years, I've been with the most amazing woman in the world. And, um, and then we're not together anymore. But at the end of the day, she is my family. You know, her mom is my family. Her kid who I've helped raise for the last six years is my family. And, I would not lose them for anything in the world. I would not give that up for anything. And so, yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of sacrifices and in, 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 in leaving college as that kind of failure, but also like the excitement of like, I don't know what's going to happen next. And that was the first, you know, like there was always the next step. There was step. always a plan. There yeah. was always the next step plan. Okay, well, now you apply for this and now you get this and now you do this and and you take this class and then you work with this professor and then, you know, it's just, it's all laid out. Like, and I felt like I had the next 60 years all laid out and it was really scary. It was really terrifying. And, but the scariness of not knowing what was going to happen, it was so much more romantic. It was, it was, it was just like exciting. I mean, it was like, it, it, it just put all of my nerves on, on like as they were standing up, you know, like, and they were just ready to fire. And it was just a matter of like, point me in the right direction and I'm going to explode, you know? Um, and then even from that was just the process of like, you know, figuring out when is the right time to explode and what kind of way to explode and, 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 and being able to take this kind of raw nerve and to discipline it a little bit more and to, to, to exercise it and take this muscle that it atrophied that you'd never worked before and uh, learning a lot, you know, like there's a lot of things that they never told me growing up that a lot of people have as like a common everyday type knowledge. You know, this mm-hmm. is how you exist in a society. This is how you talk to people. This is how you get a girlfriend. This is how you, you know, express yourself. And a lot of those were really the done. I feel kind of almost like a, uh, a child celebrity. I talk about this sometimes because when I started so going isolated. into, yeah. yeah, when I started going into like the public eye, I was 23, I think. But really like my mentality was somewhere around 15, 16 years old, really, you know. And so I was just making these big mistakes in public view, you know, and uh and just trying to find my own voice, trying to find my own confidence, trying to find my own place. Um, and while also at the same time feeling like you're kind of like drifting out in space, you know, and uh, not having, uh, I think a lot of people, a lot of people, they fake what it is that they're about because they know that they have like a backup plan that they can go back to their degree or they can go, you know, move back in with their parents in the basement or something like that, you know, and like, but that feeling of knowing that 
I am completely exposed right now. And my failure, my ability to have electricity in my apartment this month or not or have food, you know, or have a working phone, it relies upon me going out there and doing the work. And regardless of whether I come back at the end of the night with a hundred bucks or ten bucks or no bucks, you know, like that's what it is that I chose. That's what I'm there to do. And it's about like the application of myself and being there's there's a certain when you are the only person that you can blame for a situation it's really empowering it's really like freeing because you know that if the job doesn't get done because you decided to hang out and watch a movie slack or, off or slack off yeah. or you know be on instagram just looking around or whatever for three hours um that is your fault you know the job didn't get done because of you and so I'm constantly in a state of not allowing myself to just hang out. Not a lot. Well, I mean, to a certain degree, but again, I owe you 25 cents, but um, of I, I, I'm not a person. I, I can't sit in a space and just not do something mm-hmm. like I have to be working on something. And because there's so many different hats that I wear, there's always something for me to do. And There's so plenty of work, yeah. For me, I would rather just have something going on in the background, music, a podcast, a movie or whatever, and I'm not sitting and watching it and not do I'm, I'm working while there's something going on and I love having that kind of like sensory stimulation. Um but at the end of the day, it's 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 it all comes down to you, you know, you whether you're free or whether you fail. Um it all comes down to your your ability to to put your money where your mouth is. Um and and again, you have to really appreciate the process of doing it because that's where all the magic is. And if you can really, really, really get into the process of going out and meeting and talking to people, doing interviews, you know, painting, um, making a logo, whatever it is, like in all of those hours where there's no one watching you and no one encouraging you, no one patting you on your back and telling you how awesome you are, like you also have to be in love with that, uh, the love with that, the isolation and the loneliness, but then also love and appreciate and be grateful the times in which you get to go out and perform in front of 500 people, you know, or when you get to do an art show and have everyone there for your thing, you know, or like you put up a video and it gets thousands and thousands of views, you know, it's like, that's a relationship, you know, and it's a relationship that I'm grateful to have and I'm lucky to have. Um, and I, I apply myself because I want more and more of that. And if this is uh, too personal, let me know. I was just curious about this fire in your belly that you're describing. This, you know, you only have yourself to blame, but you still have to be your your own cheerleader. You're pushing yourself, even with a family or a tribe, you still have that. This betrayal that you described from your family, which it was, um, was that part of your motivation? Was that kind of part of the fire in your belly for a while? For a while it was. I mean, there was this really sick kind of sad, like I have to earn the love yeah, from people that most people get naturally, right? And then the failure of not being able to do that and realizing that you choose the people who are around you. Like, and you allow certain energy around you. Um, And when you're in a relationship with somebody, whether you share blood and DNA or not, that is completely dependent upon, it's conditional. It's 100% conditional. It's Mm -hmm. conditional on 
you come to church on Sunday, you believe in certain things, you not believe in certain things, um, you act have in certain ways, act yeah. in certain ways, all of that. And, um, you know, like they're for years now, not so much, but for years they would contact me like once a year and try and bribe me to church. You know, like one time my mom, I didn't talk to her in like a year and she hit me up super casually be like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. Next week is whatever thing at church, you know, some kind of a holiday. And, uh, you know, would be really awesome if you, you came to church and then we can go to lunch afterwards. And if you come to both, uh, if you come to church, um, then I will, uh, give you this iPhone five, this used iPhone five. And I had a seven S at the time. So it's like, come on, mom, you know, Step up. You just got you know, if you're going to bribe me, you use an eight, you yeah. know, um, don't use your BOGO that you yeah. got at the uh, AT&T store. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just like, man, I'm getting, I'm getting bribed and it wasn't like, Hey, we want to see you. We want meet up some neutral space or come to your place or your area or whatever. Um, none of that. They had zero interest in, in getting to know, you know, any of the amazing people that I was working with, like Swanberger and Da Vinci, uh, my girlfriend at the time, Holly Riggs, had made a very minimal effort with her. Um, and in, in the same way with uh, with Tasha, it was just this constant reminder of like, oh, yeah, like they don't really care because their caring is is based around. It's conditional, right? Yeah, it's, a certain it's conditions. On, yeah. yeah, certain ways you that I'm to supposed to be acting. Um, and then they give love. And then if I'm not acting that certain way, then they don't. Um, and so I, I had to really cut that out. It was just super toxic. I mean, obviously my dad did the heavy lifting for me, you know, with, with, with some of his comments, but it really came down to like, man, I'm, I'm really pathetic right now because I'm working so hard, so desperately to get someone to love me. That's not going to love me, you know? And, uh, I really got to just keep on moving on. And, and then of course they would probably say like, no, well, we love you more than anything, but you know, we just want the love of Christ to blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, no, you don't love me. Like, you just want me to be in your box. And if I'm not in your box, then you don't want to have anything to do with me and you don't want your friends to know that I exist. And, you know, I am not interested in being around uh, uh, any type of people that have such uh, disgusting, selfish intentions mm -hmm. with, with my company. So going back to that betrayal and then also the sort of seminal moment in your life, this watershed moment where you watch Fight Club, right? And Fight Club is about tearing down institutions. Yeah. And in many ways, you had to reject an institution that you grew up in, that you spent all of your life in up until a point. Um, thinking about your art, which I, I, I find fascinating because now that I'm learning more about you, you're, you're, a lot of your pieces are satirical in terms of the art world and other institutions that you're sort of poking fun at or not even poking fun at is just m noting that, Oh my gosh, this sucks. Yeah. The way that this is done sucks. And that's the mural at Sam Flax that was just up recently. Uh, that's the mural that you have over at the Hanau center uh, that we were talking about off air and a lot of your other pieces, especially the stuff that you did last year, yeah. I think. Um, but you weren't doing that at first. No. You weren't doing artwork at first. No. But you still had this sort of anti-consumerism, anti-institutional uh, uh, experience. Sure. Uh, so how did that end up translating? And did it translate to your music as well? 
Uh, at first, I, I don't think it really translated into the music. I was still going through a lot of processing um, information when I made my last album until the very end. And that album is very much from the perspective of uh, the good guy, right? Trying to, trying to throw rocks up at the, you know, whatever the oppressive force is. Um, trying to save the world. It's a concept album. It's got comic books with it. Um, but it's very much of this kind of like the last man on earth, you know, they're the man, the man, last man on earth. And then what it is that I'm working on now is music that is actually in the voice and character of the franchise industries that I make with my visual arts. Um, so at that point, I become the man who sold the world, just like Bowie. And uh, it is about the, this, this one man force who is uh, set on covering the earth with with all of his takeovers, with all of his ventures, um, and to see himself everywhere, right? To, to essentially to set up all these mirrors. And the mirrors for him are these little red flags with the dollar signs on them. That's, that's my logo for Franchise Industries. And essentially placing one in your yard and the next neighbor's yard and the whole street and the whole block and then the whole city and then the whole state is just is spreading around the world. And with that comes this kind of satirical message that really stems from my love for uh, the National Lampoon. and um, The magazine. The magazine. Well, yeah. and also the movies was actually oh, the sure. first thing that yeah. I was, was influenced by. Uh, then a lot of the, the cast and characters, you know, like Bill Murray and John Belushi and Gilda Radner and stuff in the early Saturday Night Live days. Um, but which also, it should also probably be said, was one of the, one of the few things that I actually had um, uh, shared that wasn't like Christian or anything like that with my parents was, you know, like old Saturday night live and stuff. Wow. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, what was I saying? What was I saying? So the idea of where this satirical stuff came from. Oh so yeah. 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 Uh, so national lampoon, uh, the magazine. And really what I love about them is they just have this irreverent kind of taking the piss out of everything. Um, and it doesn't really matter whether it's Democrat or Republican or whether it's big business or small business or whatever. If there's like an angle, to be able to give something a hard time, but also to say something probably more true than if they were to sugarcoat it, you know? Mm. Um, and that's what I really try to do, try to do now with franchise industries, which I didn't really do at first because like I said, you know, if you had caught me back in 2010, 11, um, when I was doing music full time, I would have told you, if you would be like, Hey, you're going to be a professional artist in, in a year or two years. I would have told you that you're crazy. You know, like I had zero intention ever at any point in my life of being a visual artist. I tried a few times and I was terrible at it. And I couldn't paint and I still don't, I'm not really that good at painting like with a brush or anything like that. Um, but I wasn't aware of the different types of mediums. And even at that time, um, digital art really wasn't a thing, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, but now, so when I first started with art, it was very punk rock. It was very uh, middle fingers up. Like, like I would actually have, you know, like one of the pieces was, it just said F-U-C-K Ed Hardy, you know, like, and it was like a skateboard. So it looked like an official Ed Hardy skateboard, but it was also, you know, throwing disparaging comments on it. And it's the same thing. I would do stuff about, you know, the Federal Reserve or whatever, you know, like, and it was all very volatile. And uh, that kind of became... Like, oh, Skip, well, he's different because he's, you know, he's kind of vulgar with his art, you know, and he's, he's very in your face. Um, but then I found that, you know, A, people don't really like buying stuff like that. Mm. And then B, that really limits the people that you're able to work with, 
and the, the places that you're able to work in. Sure. And uh, so what I was, my, the evolution of my artwork, my visual art, was being able to say what I want in a way that is intentionally presented to make the most impact and connection with somebody, right? So, for example, uh, one of my pieces, Cover the Earth, and it's this dead whale that's been beached, uh, you know, on, on the shore, and his uh, belly is split open, and all of this, like, plastic bottles and bags and all this kind of stuff like that, and crude oil is coming out or whatever. Very graphic idea, right, when you describe it. However, it's all done, super colorful, super cartoony, right? It looks like almost something that a, a little kid would would want in yeah. a room or something. Or right? almost like a corporate logo. Sure. In many ways. And uh so by doing it that way and having that presentation, it like it diminishes the like, ew, you know, kind of thing. And it's just like, oh, you know, that's sad or that's too bad. Or I agree with that or I understand that. I rec- I get that reference, right? And being able to to use color and vibrant ideas in in witty kind of turns of phrases or, you know, to take something that people kind of get or kind of know a little about and, uh, and to flip that, um, I think it, it, you're able, I'm able to present a lot more emotion. Like with the, the piece over at Hanau, it's called uh, Made by Tiny Hands. And it's a little brown girl uh, in a sweatshop who's sitting at the sewing machine and she's sewing American flags, right? That's, that's her job all day long, every day, is that she doesn't have a life um, so that she can inform enforce and accommodate other people's celebration of this idea of freedom, right? Because flags don't make us free, right? It's just our celebration of it. It's like a party favor. Mm-hmm. So her whole life, her lack of freedom is applied and dedicated towards other people being able to celebrate their freedom, right? Now, what's not there at Hanau, which I'm actually working on right now, is actually there's another half to that piece, which this long table that has this American flag on it actually goes into another piece and tapers off and it becomes the edge of a soldier's coffin with flowers on it and a little boy who's got these little tiny hands and he's saluting the coffin of the person that he's lost, you know? Um, and then at that point, it's uh, 360, you know? But at the same time, like, it's beautiful, it's colorful, it's, it's got depth, but at the same time, it's, it's not... It's not trying to offend anybody. It's just trying to say something that's true in a different way and in a way that might have a little bit of edge, a little bit of, 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 of sharpness to it, but at the same time, like, it's appropriate because of the context of what it is that I'm talking about. So if I'm talking about pollution, if I'm talking about unfair business practices, you know, between first world and third world countries, um, whatever the subject matter is that I'm talking about, I try to find the human place for it. And then I add a little bit of wit and snark to it, right? And color and, and, and different things like that to make it really appealing to, uh, to general audiences that might not be super into the message and maybe not be super into the style of artwork, but like the Joe Schmo can see it and they can be like, oh, wow, I really like that. You know, that's something that I didn't think about before. And uh, it kind of, I, I think that it kind of changes people's perspective because I've seen that first person that people's perspective of me has changed as my artwork has, has grown and evolved. How important is that to you to see that, that interaction and see the reactions, whether they're good, bad or indifferent, how important is it to you to deal or not deal with, but have conversations with people who are seeing your pieces? I, I go back and forth because I mean, nothing feels better than like 
you do something and people get it, mm-hmm. right? Um, a claim they get it and don't like it. Well, I mean that's fine. I, I'm not. I am not trying to force an experience on anybody else. I am just trying to tell the truth as I see it, and I'm trying to do it in a way that I get to be creative and to express myself and my imagination and my you know sardonic sense of humor or whatever. Um, but also at the same time, like I am doing it because I am in love with the process of it, not because of I'm in love with the outcome of it. The outcome is great. And the outcome makes the process a lot easier sometimes and it makes it faster sometimes and more efficient. Um, but at the same time, like I paint that mural for me. I share it with you. You know, like, so even if it's not my place of business, I made something and I'm sharing it with everyone that goes to that business. I am sharing it with that business owner. We have a, a an arrangement, uh, uh, some kind of a relationship in which he's done this thing for me and I've done this thing for him and uh, or her, and that's what it is. And so for me, it's not about the the end result as much as it is I am creating an environment, I'm creating and setting a mood, an energy, and I'm essentially one of the things that I love, 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 favorite things in the world is I see things a certain way. That's why I do graphic design. That's one of the things that I started off with. Um, Doing brand consulting, doing these uh, video production for people. Mm -hmm. It gives me so much joy to be able to look online, to be able to drive around Orlando and to see, oh, that's my logo, that's my branding, that's my color combination, it was my idea to do that, um, you know, I made this, you know, like, it's it's absolutely amazing. Like, I did all of the uh, branding and promotional materials for the Sam Flax Wall Project on Saturday, right? So, to have that blown up in their window, and you could see it clear as day from Colonial when you're driving by... It is, it's enriching. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And I love being able to see my perspective of the world out there and seeing people enjoy it, whether they know that it's from me or not, you know, because like ultimately I'm leaving an impression on the community around me and whether people are aware that that is my impression or not, it doesn't really matter because I still get to look around and see my world. You know, like I get to see things, I get to see a world that stems from my perspective and, and, and my experience and put out there in a way that other people want to attach themselves to it. They want it to represent their business, to represent their brand, to represent their personality, or they're just in love with the fact that, you know, in their commute every day from home to work and work to home is that they get to see this, you know, mural or project or, you know, branding or whatever it is, um, billboards, all that kind of stuff. And it, it makes their, their day better. The Sam Flax Wall Project is Saturday. It's from 10 to 5. It's a really amazing event where Sam Flax, which if you're not familiar with, is a remarkable art supply store here in town. We're lucky to have it. Independent art supply store. There's only two, I think, in the U.S., if I remember correctly. There's three. There's three. Um, Very few. Only one in Orlando. But the idea was a few years ago, uh, they decided they did a mural on the side of their old building. Mm-hmm. They decided to try to bring that ethos over to the new building. Um, they'd already painted it, the Mondrian uh, uh, style outside. Yeah. And they decided that, yeah, we'll have some muralists come out and paint some specific areas. 
became very popular, so they've been doing it again and again. Uh, this will be your third time yes. doing it, your third yeah, mural. this will be my third, yeah. So Skip will be there along with 10 other really talented artists. I wanted to ask you specifically, though, you have a lot going on this Saturday. You mm-hmm. helped arrange the event. Yeah. You're going to be doing a mural. Yeah. Uh, your organization, your company is going to be filming things that you can put a video out about it afterwards. Sure. Yep. Um, you could have just done the mural. You could have just done the video. Why was it important for you to do both? Why was it important for you to document it? And why was it important for you to actually be there doing another mural? Well, I mean, specifically in that situation, I think it applies to a lot of different companies and clients that I work with. And this is really important for any of you potential, you know, entrepreneurs out there, people who are trying to uh, eliminate hours from a nine to five job and to apply those same hours into uh, self-sustaining employment, right? And being self-employed or, you know, towards your passion projects or whatever it is that you're working on. And that is the fact that people are going to, do what comes comfortable, comes natural to them. So for Sam Flax, it was, you know, we're putting on this event and then we're going to do some Orlando weekly ads and, uh, you know, we'll post some things on Facebook, like an event page or something. And that's it. And it's like, well, you're not getting any photos. You're not having a photographer. You're not having a videographer, you know, like being able, you're spending so much money on this, this event and investing so much, which Sam Flax invests so much into the community, and people need to know that. They put so much, they're passionate about it, it's important to them. Um, so they're, they're putting so much money into this event that the not having the ability to, you know, weeks later, a month later, be able to, you know, here's an overview of the event that was so exciting, and all of these murals, and come check them out, and here's this interview with this artist, and blah, 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 and having you know, content, 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 and being able to present and promote the event that's already done. That's the great thing about having content is like it never, if it's good, it never really goes out of date, Mm -hmm. you know, never spoils. So to be able to be like, hey, yeah, with this, and we did this, and we did this, and this is how we, you know, involve ourselves in the community, and then also to have that content going to next year or the year after that. To be able to promote the next one or even a different event altogether. Exactly. And so... For, for me, that's a no-brainer, right? But at the same time, for them, it was something that they had to get, you know, kind of talked into, right? Because it was new territory. And that's the whole point of what it is that I've been doing with working with, like, Downtown Arts District and these different companies, Maker Fair Orlando was one of my, my big watershed clients because there was a level of trust there that had been built up over years of at first just being uh, a maker and just showing installations. The banana installation was there for uh, maker 2015 at the science center. And then I had uh, the game of stones installation the year after that. And that was the pilot for the skips big ideas episode. And uh, then another installation after that. So I showed them that I was a person of my word and that when I said I was going to do something that it got done and it got done at a level of quality that was beneficial for other people other than just me. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, so when it came down to the video, be like, okay, well, Hey, I have this really limited means, but I can do this. Be like, okay, there you go. You could do that. And then, so I showed that and be like, Hey, I have more, I have a nicer camera now and I have some nicer lenses and I have on I have a cameraman. Like, how can we do this? Be like, yeah, you can do this. And then we make three short five minute documentaries. Two of them win like a bunch of, uh, film festival awards and stuff, which wasn't, 
even my intention, they put them in there, you know? But, like, the ability to be like, oh, yeah, cool. Well, I made these short documentaries. I directed them. I edited them. You know, like, I wrote them. Um, I was the interviewer. And uh, they won all these awards. That's great. You know, that, that's definitely leverage that people understand. You know, like, oh, you won an award for it, so therefore you must be good at this thing, right? That's not how I kind of gauge things, but that's how other people gauge things when they're, when they're um, being introduced to them. Um, but then the, in the last year, I didn't even show a, a, an installation or have a maker project. Like, mm-hmm. my company was there, and I had... And this is Maker for Orlando. Yeah, this last Maker for Orlando, 2018... It was uh, me, two cameramen, and then we had uh, three production assistants. And so we did a full-on thing. And I was on camera talent for that day, too. So I was interviewing everyone on camera. Um, so I had to be dressed nice and, you know, be bright and chipper all day long for, like, two, two and a half long, long, long days um, of going up to people like, hey, how you doing? My name is Skip from Maker Fair Orlando, and I'm talking with this person, and blah, blah, blah. What is it you do? And over and over and over again, while at the same time, I'm also making sure that the framing is right and that, like, this person is where they need to be over here and this person is picking this thing up and we're on the walkie-talkies and doing those coordinating and stuff. And it's, like, level of multitasking that I'm actually really good at, you know. And, again, that is not something that you, A, learn in school or is something that you see, like, on MTV or a music video or, you know, something on TV or whatever and you're like, oh, I want to be a project coordinator because I'm really good at multitasking. It's like, it's not really like a job title that a lot of people are foaming at the mouth for. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time being in that, being in that situation was like, man, I'm really good at seeing all of the angles. I'm really good at seeing the problems before they happen, which a lot of people were like, man, you're so negative. You know? And it's like, no, like when I show up to a place and it's like, oh, man, this, this adapter broke. Be like, here's another adapter. You know, like, oh, this thing, I need some gaff tape. Here's some gaff tape. You know what I'm saying? Like, of knowing all of the things that could go wrong in a situation and all the things that could go right in a situation and directing your, your, your course. Yeah, right? being you know? prepared. And, and being prepared and, 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 and knowing what you, know, what you need to do in order to make that happen. And so, uh, you know, for me, it's a, it's a no-brainer because I'm going to be there, I'm going to be painting, and I want to get videoed, right? You know, like... It's beneficial for me for there to be video content of what it is that I'm doing. But it's also beneficial for this client that I have, which is Sam Flax Orlando, to have video content as well, too. That helps their business. And if they're doing better, that helps me. That helps the community, right? Like having the bills paid, having everything going on, and also feeling like they can invest into local opportunities for artists, projects, events, gallery shows, whatever it is, um, and not lose their shirt every time, right? So, like, make an on-the-spot video. It has so many views, has so many people coming in and being like, hey, I saw this online, and I wanted to come in and buy this paint, or I wanted to come in and buy this brush, or whatever it is, that's showing that the money that they're investing in that is actually having a turnaround, Mm -hmm. right? So, for me, I keep on using the word no-brainer, but it, it is logical, it is in everyone's best interests to have people rolling cameras that day. Um, and then, you know, inviting 91.5 back in uh, and coordinating that, um, you know, that is in the benefit of Sam Flax. It's in the benefit of the artist. And it's also in the benefit of the radio station, you know. And to create, when there's, a, when there's already an event being created that has the potential of, of distributing so much value and benefit to so many different people in so many different ways, um, collaboratively, like 
I think that that should be chased down. That should be run after. That should be fought for. And so at the end of the day, I'm going to have video content from that event. Sam Flax is going to have video content. The other 10 artists are going to have video content. They're going to have way more photos. We're going to have everything set up so that there's constant posting on. I also help run the uh, Sam Flax Instagram. So it's going to be constant posting about what's going on that day, what the artists are doing. Um, and the whole thing is an exercise. And I want people to see the exercise. The whole thing is an exercise in being able to, to, to spread value. And everyone walking away from it feeling like satisfied. That they were appreciated, that they were acknowledged, they were respected, um, and that they also have the tools and things to be able to um, continue themselves further, mm -hmm. right? Continue their path, continue their interests, um, and that it can be documented and shared to people. Because you never know when that video is that catches fire and, and, and takes off, you know? So, I mean, it could be five new followers on Instagram, or it could be uh, another mural job opportunity somewhere else, or... You know, it could be 25,000 views, 50,000 views, 100,000 views, um, and then a whole bunch of opportunities come from that. And you never know. So you always have to put in your 100% constantly in everything that you do. It's got to be 100, 200%, like in every single thing that you touch because you don't know what that thing is going to be that takes it to the next level. And you can't, um, can't half-ass one thing and then put extra sauce into another thing and, and then expect for everything to, to balance out. You know, like you have to be, you have to have a certain level of consistency in the process of it, taking failures or taking, well, that didn't really work out the way that I wanted to. Like, what is it I can do better in that situation? Well, if I cut the video like this, or if I, you know, edit the photo like this, or if I put this hashtag in there like this, then that has a better engagement and that's better, better you know, reactions from people and stuff. So um, it's a constant learning process. It's a constant disappointment, but it's also constant of like, Man, it is just so weird and crazy that I get to do this for a living, that I don't have a boss, that I, you know, I have employees, I have people that I get to hire and bring in and to make sure that they're okay and their bills are paid. And they do a service for me that is, you know, worth a million dollars, worth its weight in gold, you know? So it's like everybody, everybody can benefit off of each other in a community, but it requires community leaders in order to be able to organize all of this stuff, right? And uh, hopefully those leaders, and that's why whenever I meet one of those leaders, I make, um, I make sure to let them know like how much I appreciate them, how much I acknowledge what it is that they do, like the time that they put in, like all of that. And I, I'll tell you right now, like they get it. They appreciate it. You know, like it's the same thing when, when one entrepreneur meets another entrepreneur it's like you get it on you get that other person on a certain level you know like mm -hmm. it just it there is a variance on like how much full of crap that person is but at the same time like you know all of the 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 un the unappreciated hours and 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 the extra emails and the extra business proposals and all of that kind of stuff that it took in order to be able to just make something happen that's the hardest thing in the world it's just making something happen in the first place is insanely difficult you know, like the fact that anything gets done ever is a miracle. The fact that anybody would actually want to come to something is a miracle because it's so much easier to just stay home and watch Netflix and chill. It's so much easier to get caught up in, oh, whatever, this is going on or this over here. Or, oh, was this late and I haven't eaten yet or whatever. It's so easy to do that. So 
for me, I have so much gratitude for people who go above and beyond. And when they make this big success, when they make this big uh, um, motion, they put this thing into into existence. Mm. Like most people, are, they'll they'll just take it for face value. Like, oh, that's that's a microphone, you know, or that's a painting, or that is a whatever, you know. Um, but really, when you're a creator and a maker, you understand what goes into that, and you immediately respect the person because, wow, like that person, even if they're a complete jerk, like that person has something going on in his heart over on the left side that that I I I really feel, I really relate with, like. We might not see the eye to eye on this or that, but like I see right into that and I know that person a little bit and we relate in that way, you know? Gotcha. All right, man. Well, we have to get out of here. Word. Yeah. Very nice job. Thank you so much, Skip. Um, a Thank couple you for of things having me. I want to talk about. So, uh, again, Sam Flex Wall Project is Saturday, 10 to 5. Go out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you can also learn uh, stencils and spray paint with Skip. You've got uh, three dates, speaking of Sam Flax, at Sam Flax coming up. Yep, and that's an introductory class, so you don't have to know anything about painting or spray paint or stencils or anything. You can just come and take the class. We start at the very beginning, and uh, after that class, you definitely have the basics for what's both the, of them. What's the age range on uh, the students that you have in there? I try to keep it around uh, 13 to probably around 70 years old. Nice. Um, uh, because I was just like, yeah, well, as long as the guardian is there and the parents are there, uh, then it's fine. But then I basically had, I don't want to talk crap about it because I appreciate them being so much, but there were some really young kids there and it was kind of distracting for the other people yeah. in the class, I think. So gotcha. I think 13, 12, 13 is probably a good cutoff because at that point, if the kid is, the kid is at 12 or 13 is either going to want to do it or not going to want to do it. Uh, and so uh, I actually had a 13-year-old who was a stellar student. just like, Super into it. Just super into yeah. it and picked up on everything really, really quickly. So I don't want to limit it to the point where like I exclude people who really want to learn. But, uh, but yeah, probably, probably around 12, 13 is, is probably the, the youngest All right. from here on out. Very good. Very few five-year-olds are out there stenciling. So <laughs> yeah. maybe get them started early on that. Uh, so that's coming up, and then you have uh, an announcement of some kind on February 14th. Just yes. follow you on the social media. So we have medias. a lot of things cooking. Um, I don't want to go too much into it right now, but it involves art, and it involves music, and some releases, and some very special things that we're going all the way out with. Balls to the wall. Um, so if you are interested in finding out more about what it is that I do, I invite you to please find me online at C-Skip, S-E-E-S-K-I-P, like C-Skip Run. Uh, you can find everything I do on there of, in the areas of music, in the areas of visual arts, and in the areas of filmmaking. Thank you so much, Skip. We'll turn it over to the music. we got a couple commercials to play and then uh, music. Awesome. Um, well, yeah. thanks so much for having me, and I hope Thank to see you. everyone Saturday. On WPRK Winter Park, Florida, you've been listening to Odd Numbers. And that's the show. Thanks for listening to Odd Numbers, episode 11. Where do you go from here? Well, to a certain degree, the website, to a certain degree.com. You could see other episodes and listen to other episodes and figure out who the guests were. Uh, go check out Skip at cskip.com all over the place on the social medias. And if it's before February 9th, definitely go to the Sam Flax wall project. If it is after February 9th, go to Sam Flax and see the murals that were put up. Thank you so much for listening.
This episode was recorded live on February 4th, 2019 on WPRK 91.5 FM. WPRK is one of the best college radio stations in the Southeast, in the world, in my opinion. Why is that? Not only because this is my show and I'm on there, it's volunteer-based and each show is as unique as the DJ. Tune in on your radio or stream it on WPRK.org and you'll hear music you've never heard before and songs you don't normally hear on the radio. There's always something interesting happening, so listen early and often.